1: Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who can predict the future. Wait, I'm getting something. You're going to listen to a podcast. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know around tech and beyond. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chairs are Peter Diamandes and Stephen Kotler, the best-selling authors of books about the future, such as Abundance and Bold. Their newest book together is called The Future is Faster Than You Think, How Converging Technologies are Transferring Business, Industries, and Our Lives. Peter is also the founder of the nonprofit XPRIZE, and Stephen is the founder of the Flow Research Collective. Peter and Stephen, welcome to Recode Decode.
3: For having us. so
2: we're here in Washington we're usually all in San Francisco we uh, are. talking about this but let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the book itself in a second but I, wa- I do want to talk about your backgrounds because you both have really interesting histories um, uh, why don't you start Stephen it's a very quick sort of bio of why you're qualified to tell us about the future perhaps
4: um I was a tech journalist mm-hmm. for 30 years covered tech for everybody you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my sixth book on technology. Um, started a bunch of companies, including my current one, which is the Flow Research Collective, where we use kind of biotechnology, some of the brain-computer interface stuff, a lot of the advancements in neuroscience primarily uh, to study human performance.
2: Mm-hmm and to think about where things are going.
4: And th- yeah, Of Humans
2: particularly or just a lot of different areas.
4: Well, no, I, my focus tends to be animals and uh-huh. plants, animals, and ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Peter tends to care much more Explain about people. That. Explain that. I came into a lot of the accelerating technology work uh, trying to uh, really figure out how do we establish mega-linkages. This is a mm-hmm. complicated idea, but the simple idea is if we want to preserve biodiversity, which is a passion of mine, mm-hmm. we need to find ways to kind of link up national parks. Large, contiguous wildlands is mm-hmm. the secret. So I wow. started asking myself the question, well, where the heck are we going to get the land we need to preserve biodiversity? Mm-hmm. It led me to food technologies like cultured beef, mm-hmm. vertical farming, things that liberate farmland, cattle land. And that's where I sort of started with this, mm-hmm. um, really looking at how technologies well, can we really will get help into that climatic. topic.
2: I'm fascinated by the background too. And Peter?
4: Uh, my passions grew in
3: space originally. Right. Um I had started a uh, half dozen companies, a university called International Space University, a launch company, a satellite communications company, the Prize, which you mentioned. Um,
2: you had a mining company last time I we talked. You, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, and sold that. That's a long This was story. getting, this
2: was essentially getting on to...
3: Uh, Asteroids. Asteroids and mining
2: them because they're full of minerals. They're
3: full of fuels first and foremost, hydrogen Mm -hmm. and oxygen, uh, and if you can get it outside of the gravity well of Earth. Mm -hmm. We ended up changing the laws here in the U.S. and Europe to allow private ownership of those resources. We were not able to capitalize the company. We sold it. Um, Well,
2: it's hard to get on a comet, but go ahead. (laughs) But uh,
3: the work that I've done, my passion was space early on, and a lot of that was really compelling from Apollo and Star Trek and then i became uh, realizing that all of our all the activities in space are going to be dwarfed by what we're seeing in exponential technologies mm-hmm. uh, computation sensors networks ai robotics 3d printing ar vr earth. blockchain all these things here on earth are changing the world faster and faster uh, i had gotten to know ray kurzweil uh, who mm-hmm. obviously you know who had written a book called the singularity is near and uh, we partnered to create Singularity University mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley, which we can talk about later. Same time running the Sing- x Very
2: briefly explain this thing. Most people listen is understand those concepts. The,
3: the singularity is a concept. It's not really a right. thing. It's uh, the speed at which technology is changing is accelerating. And we talk about that. We have a book, mm-hmm. a chapter in our book, The Future is Fast, You think, called Acceleration of the Acceleration. And there's a point in which the rate of change is so fast that you can't predict what's next. Mm-hmm. Today, we have a pretty good, we can predict what's happening over the next 10 years, that horizon, maybe five years, but there's going to be a point where the speed is so fast because of converging technologies that we're we're blinded by that change. And that is, according to Ray, uh, that's something that we're going to see in the, in the 2040 time horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's an idea. It's a shocking idea. The university has nothing to do with the singularity. It's not even mm-hmm. really a university. It's it's a program for executives and graduates. A lot of people sort of are um, they're they're living in a world they're seeing this extraordinary change. They're hearing about artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printing, augmented virtual reality, and it's like, how is this going to impact me?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And there are very few places you can go to really get an overview of that and a deeper understanding. So we built that institution. We run uh, executive programs around the world in in Silicon Valley at our campus, um, and then we run programs for executive teams.
2: Right. There was some controversy about the what was going, how it was being run at the time.
3: Uh, I think the only controversy was we did a lot of acquisitions and mm-hmm. we grew the the staff size by a factor of two, and we did a reset and uh, uh, we've recapitalized it. We have an amazing benef- uh, investor chairman, Eric Anderson, from West River Group, who's capitalized it, mm-hmm. and it's regrowing now at a, at a, in a profitable fashion. One mm-hmm. of the challenges we have in a lot of Silicon Valley companies is growing them Based on revenues versus profits, and it's time to go and focus on creating profitable organizations right, that zero. grow appropriately. That's the new thing. That is the new mm-hmm. thing, and so that yeah. has been. We've done a reset. We're now a profitable organization, and we're growing, and still we're operational in, in twenty countries. And then countries. the
2: XPRIZE continues, continues
3: to. Oh my God, XPRIZE is is and blossoming. explain
2: again for people don't. So
3: things. I w- I grew up in Apollo and Star Trek, right. and I wanted to be an astronaut. It's excited
2: and I, for Picard.
3: I, I am excited for for Jean Luc, uh, and. My chance of becoming an astronaut were like one in a thousand. I have a better chance mm-hmm. of becoming an NBA all-star than I do an astronaut, mm-hmm. and I'm only 5'5", five five, right? So I said, how am I going to open up space? And i had read that Lindbergh in 1927 crossed the Atlantic to win a $25,000 prize, and that kicked off aviation. That's it. I'm going to create a space prize. I called it the X Prize. I didn't know who was going to put up the money, who was going to yeah. be the X, the Ortega, the Pulitzer, the Nobel a woman named Anusha Ansari funded it. She had just done a billion-dollar-plus exit. She's now the CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation and I'm mm-hmm. the, on, on the executive chairman. And we've launched about... Uh, $200 million of prizes, another $200 million Different things, different accomplishments. Across the board. Yeah. Across the board. Mapping be able mapping to
2: design the
3: ocean. this, design that. So it's not the design. You actually right. have to do it. Right. You right. have to, different from prizes that are ideas or something you did in the past. No, but this it's is, projects. You this is the pro- first person to pull it off, build right. a spaceship, map the, this amount of the ocean floor in 24 hours, pull water out of the atmosphere, educate kids autonomously at scale, and we're having fun and it's truly impactful.
2: Yeah, these kind of prizes are I think I do think they're important. So now you've this book you you talked both of you have been talking about um exponential technologies uh, or talk a little bit about the idea of converging technologies and what you're talk what you're talking about. You you looked at an, across a number of industries. Talk about your first two books uh, that you this is a trilogy. A, yeah, a trilogy. trilogy so explain. We call it
4: the Exponential Mindset Trilogy. Okay. Abundance was the first book and Abundance looked at individual lines of exponential technology, mm-hmm. right? And to listeners who don't know what an exponential mm-hmm. technology is, it's any technology that can be programmed in the ones and zeros of computer code mm-hmm. and then sort of jumps on the back of Moore's law and starts doubling at a regular rate. Sure. And in abundance, we talked about individual lines of exponential technology, artificial intelligence, robotics, vertical farming, take you know, take your pick, a bunch of different technologies. And our focus was, can we use how, how individuals, small teams could use these technologies to mm-hmm. tackle grand global challenges? Energy, poverty, water scarcity, so forth. And uh, the book was compelling to a lot of people, and they read it and they went, oh, this is amazing. I want to do this. How do I do this? So Bold was our follow-up, and Bold was much more of a how-to. Hey, here's how you build businesses around these technologies. And, you know, we've said for a really long time that if you, you know, want to make a billion dollars, help a billion people kind of (laughs) thing. And so Bold was the blueprint for that. This new book, what's changed is these formerly independent lines of exponential technologies are now starting to converge and overlap. So AI is bumping into robotics, is bumping into material science, is bumping into Mm -hmm. 3D planning, etc., and what you get is a whole, is much greater than the sum. So
2: exponentially part. converging or convergingly exponential. <laughs> Which one? Well, it,
3: it's it's the idea that in the past, if you were an entrepreneur and you were focusing on three D printing, you had a lane. You had a lane, and you were fine, and that mm-hmm. was good enough. Today, it's not good enough. It's and it's not the technology; it's the business models that are the most mm-hmm. exciting part. So, what's happening is two, three, four of these technologies are coming together and creating a new business models. So, YouTube. You know, you know the story intimately. Um, you know when Chad Hurley was creating YouTube, it was the convergence of super cheap memory on the cloud, it was digital cameras, it was uh, more powerful computers for being edit um, videos, uh, it was the uh, Uber creator mentality, and these things converged to create YouTube as a business model. Mm-hmm. We can point at convergences that created Airbnb or created Uber. And so that's where the where the fun is. I'll, I'll give you an example um, that I love. There's a company that my venture fund invested in, called Relativity. Have you heard of it? It's, mm-hmm. it's the world's largest three D printers. So oh yeah. It's yeah. they're converging uh, robotics, three D printers, material sciences, machine learning, and they're three D printing rockets. I mean, mm-hmm. hundred foot tall Yes, that's right down in rockets. Los Angeles, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I said, what's gonna what's gonna possibly Displace SpaceX as the hegemony in 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 rocketry. That's rocket right. Trade. They're
2: the, they're the second. They're the ones making more rockets in Los Angeles. Yeah,
3: and I mean. and so they've got an approach that is you could 3D print a rocket in 60 days, and then you could say, hey, let's change the design a little bit, and no tooling to change. You just change the design, and it's something mm-hmm. different is 3D printed. Mm-hmm. And so that's that is convergence.
2: Right, the idea of that, and so this, this, so this book, the idea is the future is faster than you think. You know, there's a ton of future books. There's like a yeah, lot of the. Hundred percent. So, talk a little bit about what you were trying to set out to do in, in this. This is these are you first. You talked about the changing technologies, the abundance, then bold how to do it. What's the, the so third the idea? The, fir-
4: the first chunk of the book is hey these are all the exponential technologies. I right, go through them. Go through um, them. Robotics, dozen, artificial right? intelligence, nanotechnology, biotechnology, 3D printing, ARVR, AR, VR, quantum VR, computing, regular computing, computation, mm-hmm. networks, sensors. I'm missing a couple. Yeah, it's uh, a pretty good. It's a pretty blo- good blockchain. Blockchain, mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and so body the, hacking, transhumanism, maybe,
4: and uh, brain interfaces. computer interface. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Uh, In the beginning, we look at – break those down. There's also uh, a series of secondary forces sort of being unleashed by Mm -hmm. these converging exponentials. Uh, For example, communications abundance, right? We're moving into an era of ubiquitous networks, Mm -hmm. 5G, satellite constellations, Loon, et cetera, bringing us to a world of communication abundance. That Mm -hmm. means four billion new minds are about to join the global conversation. Mm -hmm. Anything that speeds up the rate of innovation speeds up the rate of technology, so that's four billion new minds – driving that forward. So there's a bunch. There's six more secondary forces. That's connectivity. um, Six more secondary forces that are driving this forward. And then part two of the book, we look at the 11 biggest industries in the world and where are they going over the next 10 years and Mm -hmm. what people can expect. And I don't know if this is different than the other books. Um, I think it is. Most of the other books are a little fearful of the future. Mm-hmm. Our goal is the exact opposite. Our goal. Yes, you're very is,
2: positivity in comparison. <laughs> we we're going to get to that. We
4: are very positive, um, and uh, both in our outlook and we. We really want to empower people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the future's coming. It's incredibly fast for legacy organizations, established businesses. They're going to have a really hard time keeping up. They don't know what's coming. So, this book is a guidebook for that.
2: All right. Let's talk about that a little bit, the, the concept. I mean, Clay Christensen just died, who sort of set off in 97. I remember that being a groundbreaking book. He and was, that was amazing, about, yeah. Um, and he wrote The Innovator's Dilemma, and he went on to write a lot of books. And his last one, oddly, interestingly enough, not oddly enough, was How to Measure Your Life, I think. I think that was his last book, mm-hmm. um, which he took all his concepts and put them to the idea of living. And, of course, he had had a stroke and had cancer and, and died of cancer. He's very young, 67, when he died la- last week. Um, I wrote his, my column in The Times about him this week because he was a real precursor. And he had a, a positive viewpoint towards disruptive technologies. And I talked about the concept of his concepts were the smart ones in terms of thinking about um, uh, how you move into the, the – he was predicting what – would later come, whether it was Google or Uber or Netflix or whatever. But one of the things was it was sort of a gentler and positive idea of the future when, in fact, disruptive innovation became destructive innovation, like, without consequence. So talk a little bit about, you know, the concept of we are at a new nexus of a change. You do feel it with all these different technologies you were talking about. These are very serious and world-changing technologies compared to apps, anything else that's come before it, even though mobile is obviously critical. Yeah,
3: we're... Uh, One of, again, uh, what drives me, I think what drives us in this book is to create a hopeful, compelling, and abundant vision of the future. Mm -hmm. If people don't have a hopeful vision of the future, if they're not compelled by what's coming, uh, we end up in a period of fear and scarcity. And it's a very bad place to lead from or to be, you know, living from. And the future is one in which we're more empowered than ever before to solve problems. And I think that's a really important vision that instead of complaining about problems, everyone listening here has the power. What I mean by that is more capital than ever before, right? We talk about capital abundance. There's more access to knowledge, even wisdom to some degree on Google and Baidu. There is, there is um, access to more computational power than ever before. You can spin up a thousand processor cores on AWS. You can access any expertise in the world. We're connected globally, soon at 8 billion minds at gigabit connection speeds, not like coming on on AOL at Mm 9,600 baud. And this is empowerment. And the goal here is to say, listen, stop complaining about problems. Here's the tools you have. Go and solve the problems. Feel empowered by this. And also, here's where these industries are going. The winner in all of these, at the end of the day, are the consumer. What do I mean? I've spent a lot of my life in healthcare. I'm a medical doctor by mm-hmm. training, not by practice. I've started, you know, four or five companies in the longevity space. I invest heavily through my venture fund in that area. Today, it isn't healthcare; it's sick care,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? It isn't health insurance; it's sick insurance. Mm-hmm. The system takes care of you after you're sick. Yeah. You get paid after you're sick. It's not life insurance. It's death insurance. You get your, after you die. Imagine flipping all that, right? And, and you know this, you've right, written we're about it.
2: Right, we to get into that in a second. We'll go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Yes. So, so, the, the so point- it's, a posi- it's a more positive version. We're going to get into that when yeah. we get back, because I do want to talk about this, because I do think the proclivity of Silicon Valley is to immediately, the minute you say just a second, to say you're a negative person. And I, I suspect I represent that to a lot of people <laughs> in Silicon Valley. But when we get back, we're going to talk about that, um, because I do think Uh, optimism my first column for the times this year was about the optimistic ideas that should go forward but i don't want to ignore what's happened um at the same time so we're here with Stephen kotler and peter diamantes their new book is called the future is faster than you think how converging technologies are transferring business industries and our lives we're going to take a quick break now we'll be back after this
0: startups you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money
1: Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional, yet relaxed. Punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com
2: slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: We're here with Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamantes. Their new book is called "The Future is Faster Than You Think How Converging Technologies are transferring business Industries in our lives." Peter was just going talking, Stephen, you can jump in here about the positivity like this i I, I don't mean to say I've heard this line before, but I, when I got to Silicon Valley, it was everything's going to be roses, these social networks are going to be great. This is going to be great, and we now live in a very twitchy, irresponsible news environment brought on, not the total fault of social media, but it's right up there with the causes. There's all kinds of issues around addiction, around this, and to be told by Silicon Valley don't focus on the problems is exhausting. Like, I m- maybe it's because I'm a parent, maybe it's because I think about the implications for our entire society, but I agree that a lot of this stuff, green tech, um, what are we going to do about facial recognition? How are we going to deploy AI fairly and properly? How can we use it to solve problems? It's just, we've been given, this was, when i first first covered the internet in the early nineties, it was like this is gonna solve Star Trek once again. You know, I have a more Star Wars view of it. Like, the <laughs> empire I, uh, strikes the fuck back all the time.
4: I remember I was in San Francisco in the early 90s, <laughs> and I remember people running around. You know, this was when the internet was going to save the world, and you were like—
2: Save the world.
4: What the hell are you talking about? It's home shopping. It's pornography yeah. distribution. Yeah, and maybe yeah. it's a better dictionary yeah. that's—right? Like, yeah. it was crazy it was at the time. It was a better dictionary. Or it was a better dictionary. You're right. I want to sort of roll back right. to the positivity for a second because right. Peter hit on something that I want to expand on a little bit bit because I'm a neuro geek and Mm -hmm. this is where I work, but if you look... What anxiety does to the brain from an innovative, creative standpoint is really worth knowing. The more Mm -hmm. anxious we get, it closes down our ability to find far-flung connections between ideas. You Mm -hmm. look at sort of anxiety Mm -hmm. under an fMRI, it looks a little bit like OCD. It's a tight cluster of neurons. The ideas are sort of spinning in a circle. You can't get those far-flung, outside-the-box connections. In fact, the more anxious we get, the more logical and Mm -hmm. linear we get. This is just basic kind of biological hardwiring. So... Yes, we are up against some serious challenges, mm-hmm. and obviously, every
3: good I want technology. I would you reflect
2: on them. I want you to reflect on the last twenty years. Can, can I can I jump sure. in here?
3: Sure. One of the things I just did. I run an event every January called Abundance Three Hundred and Sixty for mm-hmm. uh, for CEOs, and um, I, I did two things that I think are relevant to this conversation. One is I look back a hundred years. Right. And said, what were the innovations of the year 1920 compared to today?
2: Okay, what were? There
3: were four innovations. Okay. Number one, relevant to what we're doing right here, the first commercial radio station came along Mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. Big deal. Second thing, the Band-Aid came out. Mm -hmm. The third thing, the portable hairdryer was invented. All right. And the fourth thing was the three lights traffic light. I scrubbed everything. Those were the innovations of the year 1920. Mm -hmm. At that level of significance, we have those every microsecond in the year 2020. Sure. Right? So, the speed is increasing. The second thing I did was I looked at metrics for abundance over the last decade. The numbers are stellar. They're staggering. Number one, we've reduced childhood mortality rate. We both have kids by 22% over the last decade. We reduced global extreme poverty by half, by 50% between 2010 and 2019. We increased global solar 10x, wind power 3x. We increased the global GDP by $22 trillion. We reduced deaths due to famine by tenfold over the last, I think, is 30 years. All of these things, and there's many, many more. Gained three years of lifespan. Mm -hmm. All of these things are not a result of we've gotten intelligent, we have better political systems. They are the impact of technology.
2: Or various technologies. Yeah, various
3: technologies, converging technologies, various technologies, all these things. In fact, we added nearly uh, 700 million people of electricity now compared to 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. All these things are continuing. And I define technology as the force that takes what used to be scarce and makes it abundant. Mm-hmm. Right? We we forget that a child with a cell phone in Botswana or Tanzania, whatever, has millions of dollars of free tech on it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, yeah, we can say there's lots of problems, but we so romanticize the past and we forget how fucking brutal it was.
2: Oh, I don't romanticize the past. I think past was brutal. I'm just I'm saying. But let's talk talk about what the problems you think have come from it and what the solutions
4: what, are. One, I like. I'm. I tend to think about things really basically. Mm-hmm. I like to. What's human psychology? What's human Mm -hmm. nerve? How how do we work? How does it affect? So one thing we saw is nobody had any clue how much dopamine Mm -hmm. our our devices were going to produce. Right. And um, it's Mm -hmm. a funny thing. You know, in, in flow science, flow mm-hmm. is an extremely addictive, probably the most addictive state on Earth. You get mm-hmm. five, of dopamine is one of five mm-hmm. reward chemicals. You get all five in flow. It's the most addictive state on Earth. Um, and when I train people, and we, we train everybody from kind of the U.S. Navy SEALs all mm-hmm. the way through to executives and mm-hmm. take your pick. One of the first things I talk about is, dirty word, is addiction management. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about that very much. We don't like to discuss it, but in dealing with our technologies, for sure. And the thing I always think about is, as a reporter, I covered a lot of the drug war stuff on all sides. Mm -hmm. And in the legal community, there was this big fear. As soon as we legalize any substance, right, Right. we're going to lose a generation. That was a very, very big fear. Now, we've done this with marijuana. We haven't lost anybody. But we were—I think we did lose a generation with technology. Like, Mm -hmm. we were not prepared. We didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. We had no idea it was going to be this sticky. And the cost is a a generation of people who are—you know, they've got enforced ADD because of the amount of dopamine in their system. So, Mm -hmm. definite downsides— Um, I'm hoping kind of with our growing understanding of neurobiology, psychology, et cetera, et cetera, that we can avoid some of those things going forward and have a kind of a more honest opinion of how sticky some of our technologies can be. Right. So in your
2: case, Dixon, what do you think the most— Well, I mean, the challenge
4: is privacy to a large degree. Mm -hmm. And I um,
3: am—there's both good and bad, and it's hard for people to think about the good. But here's the deal. We're heading towards a world— where you're soon going to be able to know anything you want, any time you want, anywhere you want, right? We right. all have the experience of being able to say, "Hey, what's the GDP of Ghana?" And within 30 seconds on Google, talking to your phone, you can get that. But I can't ask like, "What are the? How many red cars drove down the street right now in the last hour?" Mm-hmm. But the data is there, right? We're heading towards a world of uh, augmented reality, floor looking cameras on your goggles, uh, drones, uh, autonomous cars with cameras and radar and mm-hmm. lidar. Uh, satellites, where everything is being imaged all the time. And so you're going to be able to start to know anything. You can ask your personal AI how many red cars were coming down the street and actually know that answer. People behave differently when they're being watched. Right. Would you agree with that? So yes. one of the foundations I support, the Lindbergh Foundation, flies drones over elephants and rhinoceros, um, what do you call them, herds. Yeah. yeah. And And when that is occurring, the poachers stay away. Mm-hmm. When there is a camera dashboard on a police car, the policeman may behave differently, or a Despot when CNN is there says and so this level of uh, visibility, this loss of privacy, has the potential to potentially cause us to behave more human, mm-hmm. more humanistically. But it's a loss of privacy. But we have a the idea of privacy, I would imagine, is a relatively recent, invention. I don't think there was a thought of privacy a thousand years ago in small villages. No, but nobody
2: had the ability to have this much surveillance, really.
3: And I think in China, there's no concept of privacy. And, And I see a lot of young uh, millennials and whatever the newest generation is called—I'm not. What is it called, by the way? Do you know,
2: Gen. Well, Generation Alpha is the latest, but okay. there's uh, there's uh, there's millennials, there's Gen Z.
3: Okay, but they're giving up privacy purposefully because of the benefits it gives, right? To some degree. Right, they are broadcasting everything. They're they're yes. Uh, I local. call them cheap dates <laughs> because
2: <laughs> and, and they're s- getting a map for, no, for Mark for Mark's like making a billion dollars. But okay, but fine. anyway, the, the point good. is
3: that there's going to be a trade. Yes, uh, I'm. There is going to be a version of Jarvis mm-hmm. uh, within the next decade. This is a and robot that responds it, this to is right? an, AI. This is, this is, this an, is an AI an, that yeah, responds. This to. this is an AI software From shell. You're that referring we, to that a movie Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man. Right, and and and. In this version, I'm going to give my personal AI, think of a nth generation Alexa or Siri, permission to listen to all my conversations, read my emails, look at my blood chemistries, see what I'm what I'm eating. And as a trade for that, it's advising me on everything. It's telling me about your kid's upcoming birthday. It's telling me, you know, don't eat that. It's telling me you need, you know, to go. to Certainly. Ch- and so there's a trade constantly,
2: right? If it's a better trade, I think the trade right now is shitty for consumers. I think they don't get well, enough, and there's it's worse than that. They, and there's we not enough laws in place to protect them in case it goes wrong. It's like a knife. It's like a knife cuts meat. It also course. kills you.
3: We don't know that don't, we're doing the trade is the issue, right? Right. We don't realize when we're saying yes to that. Yeah.
2: I'm gonna get into your future we can argue about this I think I think asking for a little bit of like uh, co- thoughts of consequences is not that much and it, it drives Silicon Valley people to act like you asked we for did their, a whole chapter on their, it, right like their there's speakers yeah
4: there's a whole chapter in the book on, on yeah. the downsides and hey this is Not the
2: downsides is that you're asking for just a little bit of reflection and that is a, a bummer you know what I mean like what about this what about this so let's talk about the technologies and how they impacted them go through a few of the of the, it's, the most important uh industries you think Going to be most affected. And talk about the, the the struggle. It's very much a lot a lot of your concepts are a lot like Craig like Christensen is there's going to be this series of smaller companies, nimble companies, that are going to be in smaller markets that are going to emerge and disrupt. And the big companies that are in those spaces are going to it's impossible to be undisrupted, essentially.
4: Which I, I think is think that's cool. true. I you know I think when we we look at the future, healthcare and education we see our two right. industries and transportation. Okay. So um, go I'll, I'll start with transportation and, then, and Kick it over to Peter to can talk about healthcare, but uh, transportation. We all know autonomous cars are coming. Maybe mm-hmm. a little slower than mm-hmm. we originally expected, mm-hmm. but this decade for sure. Yeah. Right? I mean, Waymo, Google Alphabet's uh, autonomous car division has said they want mm-hmm. to be doing a million trips a day for right. autonomous taxis in 2020. Right. Uh, flying cars, which we have been waiting for forever, direct mm-hmm. product. they are gonna convergence. have one this year. Pardon me. We're
2: gonna have one at Co. Oh, are you? Oh
4: yeah. Um, I I got to ride in one an e-hang a couple years Riding ago. Me the in, friggin' in hovercraft. J- yeah. For my sake. Um, i we've been waiting. Yeah. But so, <laughs> <laughs> flying cars are coming. Right. Uber wants demonstration programs for mm-hmm. Uber Air 2023, mm-hmm. Hyperloop. Peter's involved in that. Mm-hmm. So rapid trains, um, and it sort of goes from there. The point is, um, the changes are you know. First of all, they're bizarre. Uh, you were talking about industries impacted mm-hmm. with autonomous cars. Uh, Peter's pointed this out a lot. You know, right now we've got about a hundred different car companies. We're looking at probably massive consolidation. Right. right? When Uber comes to pick
3: you I up, surprised
2: there are hundred brands of cars. There are hundred twenty. I,
4: ca- I counted.
3: It. That 100. was
2: more. I was like, wow. I didn't think about that.
3: Yeah. If you it just, uh, I think it's called um, a systemic. Uh, recalibration of the system. It happened with trains and, and mm-hmm. horse and buggies right. and, and everything. And it happened
2: with cars. There were more yeah. than hundreds yeah. before. Yeah. I guess there were thousands. But go ahead. So, so a culling um,
4: of this. Right. I think we'll see a, a, a big culling of this. But what we're looking at is a, a massive transportation revolution with really kind of weird, interesting sociological impacts. Um, three that I think about a lot. If you've got Uber Air, which can do 150 miles uh, in an hour, mm-hmm. so 750 mile an hour trains. Right size of the local dating pool, size of the local school district, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking before we on, your kids are here in D.C. because they like it. Well, if you can go 750 miles— in an hour, the school district got a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. The downside, we've been talking about downsides. So one of the downsides of this that, that I think about, we talked earlier about mega linkages, contiguous wildlands is the best way to preserve biodiversity. And if suddenly I can build my house three hours away, right, the suburbs suddenly just became the sprawl. That's an issue. That's an issue I think that needs mm-hmm. regulation on the front end before we even start on this mess. But what it means, you know, from a convenience level is astounding. One of the uh, secondary forces we talk a lot about is save time, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, innovation demands time. Anything that saves us time can speed up innovation. The the stat I like is... Uh, in 1900 the average person the average American did 58 hours of housework a week. Mm-hmm. By 2011 it was 1.5 hours less now I don't know the exact figure. Massive savings of time. We're going to get the washing same machines and dishwashers. Yeah, exactly. From robots. robots. robots yeah. <laughs> well, totally robots easy. now but no, no, on the way. No, I mean the
3: washing machines and dishwashers
4: are, are robots, robots. Yeah. we just don't oh, call yeah, them. Oh yeah, we robots. don't call it. Right. You yeah, know you're right about that. It's it was yeah. I mean they called them labor saving devices. That was mm-hmm. electricity running right. water right sure. <laughs> that sort of stuff. But transportation we're massive time saving interesting autonomous cars you you didn't sleep well, much last night great we can give you a car with a bed in it right you want a working office we can give you a car there i think one of the unintended consequences by the way is of autonomous cars is going to reboot the sex industry
2: oh dear. i think you've
4: got mobile brothels
2: okay coming right. online that um, is the best thing i have heard from any of my podcasts all year mobile <laughs> Brothels. Well, I mean, Thank you, what Steve. else
4: do you think is going to happen? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was thinking that you're going to text and drink at the same time. You it, probably are going text, drive, it, text you, you and drive, drink. Drive, text,
4: and drink. That'll right. happen, too. But, you know. <laughs> Finally. You start out by Finally, driving.
2: <laughs> not, and not kill anybody in an incredibly irresponsible act of evil. Um, so what about education, Peter?
3: So education is... So extraordinarily broken right now, it's not funny. Can we just and get sad. a chip
2: and that be done with it? Well, yeah, uh, we, the process that's, that's is important.
3: But you know, the question yes, is what reading. we what we learn now. So I, I love this, right? So we have our educational system today built for the industrial revolution yes, of 100 do. years ago, and you know, the bell rings and you move to your next production line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to ask. You and everyone listening. When's the last time you factored a polynomial equation? I mean, wh- I didn't do
2: it back then.
3: I didn't you do go. it back then, or or figure it out. You know, the sine or cosine of a particular angle, and 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 so we we spend our times feeding ourselves all of these things mm-hmm. and memorizing it and determining whether you go to a good college or a bad college based upon whether you use these things you're never going to use again. Instead of focusing on things like empathy, mm-hmm. on communication skills, Team building. On team building, on on being able to give a compelling presentation, on being able to to strategically think about the future. Mm-hmm. These and these are the, the skills we need for the world today.
2: You should be surprised what kind of parent I am. Sometimes when my parents, kids are doing homework, I'm like, don't do that. That's
4: good.
3: It doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> and I often do it to their friends. I actually got called by the school stop telling I, people it doesn't matter. I like that. <laughs> I was like, but it doesn't, right? It doesn't. You don't need it. I don't I never ask the student a, a an employee to do this. And it's not useful in any way. And, and, it's the thinking, it's the ability to say things think. Exactly is what it is, right. And it's just a way – but it's a poor way to think through things. I'm like that is not going to make you think better than, say, if you go down to the to the Zoom kitchen and start figuring out how many people you need to yeah. serve. And what,
3: so. what is the – so for me and I, for my 8-year-old boys, I think about the following. What I want for them is to find their passion in life. Mm-hmm. Like the most important – everything I've ever learned is from my own self-passion. The second thing is learn how to ask great questions. In a world where you can know anything, the quality of the questions you ask are far so more So where important. does
2: technology fit in this? So
3: the, where technology fits in is the convergence for me of AI, VR, networks, sensors. And we can go into a world where if I want to learn about ancient Greece and the works of Plato, I'm going to put on a VR helmet and I'm going to walk into a place. I'm going to see a virtual version of Plato. And the AI driving that VR version of Plato is uh, built by all of the knowledge we have of, of, of Plato. Every historian ever written about him has programmed that virtual. And I can have a conversation. I can walk around and say, hey, Plato, what do you think about this? And it's experiential. Right. And that level of learning, instead of a sage on the stage talking to, to 50 kids, half are bored, half are lost, you know, this is something an of one experience. And education becomes something where – the AI knows my favorite color, sports star, movie stars, and I'm self-driven. And I learn what I need to learn to make my dreams come true if I know what. You're talking it. about a matrix version of
2: it uh, except for no chip. And no chip. Which, and of I'm, course, Elon this is, is also,
3: thinking about. This is, and we could talk about Neuralink and the work mm-hmm. that's going on. Yeah, we will in a second. But there's incredible work going on towards this area. And it's but it's reinventing education. There will be a point, I believe, in which... You and I say, I'm no longer sending my kids to this school. It's a waste of their time. I do it every day. I'm going to be in this, you know, do we go to a new education? Just like we don't go to – I don't go to libraries anymore. I'm sorry. Some people do, maybe for quiet – It's Google. When something is 10 times better, 10 times cheaper, 10 times faster, you give up the old system. So the old system, both in education and healthcare, are going to be crushed under their weight.
2: As librarians begin to attack you, Peter, which I think it's coming. No, I'm kidding. I agree with you. I I think I I agree with that. We're going to talk about that and more and some other technologies uh, that are going to affect things like retail. Um, the finance system and other things. We're here with Steven Kotler and Peter Diamandis. Their new book is called The Future is Faster Than You Think, how converging technologies are transforming business industries and our lives. We're gonna take a quick break now, we'll be back after this.
5: Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.f F-I-V-E-R-R, and use code VOX.
2: We're back with Stephen Kotler and Peter Diamandis. Their new book is called *The Future Is Faster Than You Think: How Converging Technologies Are Transforming Business, Industries, and Our Lives*. So we're just talking about two areas: education and transportation. Pick another area, Stephen. You had twelve, I think. Correct.
4: Healthcare is, you yeah. know, Healthcare is is super interesting. Um, so
2: we're not going to die.
4: We might still die. Yeah. Peter has a different opinion than, than mine okay. on this yeah. one. Um, but with healthcare,
3: you're going
2: to pick when you die and how healthy you are when you die. That's <laughs> correct. Correct.
3: I, so listen, I'm I'm focused on. Getting to 100 healthy, right? Okay. And when I'm at 100, hopefully I'll focus on 120 or 150 and so but forth. But healthy,
2: health but he- span. healthy,
3: it's health span. It's health not, it's span not, is
2: the term, yeah. not lifespan. Right? Yeah,
3: being decrepit in a wheelchair in bed and
4: 120, zero value. Not much
3: fun.
2: All right, so health care.
4: So what it looks like, and, and, you know, this isn't really news to you, but mm-hmm. we seem to be— uh, Reinventing kind of every step on the mega treatment right. train. Healthcare right?
2: has been persistently not reinvented.
4: Persistently not reinvented, and and, and downright awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, we spend about over two billion dollars a year on procedures we don't need for fear of liability. Mm-hmm. Like it's in, insane stuff. So on the front end, we're seeing. Uh, The front end of this with AI starting to become better diagnosticians Mm. than regular doctors, better cancer detection, better reading radiological screens, CT screens, et cetera, et cetera. So, on the front end, we're seeing medical diagnostics getting reinvented, which is fantastic. In the middle, treatments, we're seeing, you know, robots. Ten years ago when we wrote Abundance, the Da Vinci robot was Mm -hmm. a new thing, Mm -hmm. right? and. It sort of leveled up into really easy-to-do surgeries, which is a crazy even statement. But, yes, hernia surgery, heart surgery, these are slightly easier. Now we're moving into really complicated soft tissue repair, things that are really, really difficult. We're seeing the middle reinvented, And this isn't treatment for, you know, the super rich Verb Surgical, which is which is Google and, and Johnson & Johnson, their whole goal was to democratize surgical robots, and their, you know, their robots are coming out this year. And on the back end of the treatment train, we're completely reimagining drug discovery and how, you know, w- we find new drugs. And and again, right, for every 5,000 drugs created, five of them make it to kind of human trials. One of them may come to market. It costs mm-hmm. $10 million on Average to do this, um, it's a total waste. And you've got companies like in mm-hmm. Silico Medicine in, in Baltimore using generous GANs, right? Two AIs battling against each other to find a proper treatment. They've reduced drug discovery from years into months. Right. Quantum computing, which you know, we Google just hit quantum supremacy. Low so egg. they say. So they say.
2: I'm having Sundar code this year. We'll be discussing that. All right. Right. And well, what does
4: that really mean? How,
2: and then well. he and I are going to wrestle. So, anyway, sorry, go
4: ahead. Little, for
2: supremacy, for stage that, supremacy.
4: I'll buy tickets. Yeah, I'll oh. beat him. because you know, yeah, I bite. I'm sure you will. <laughs> that I have no doubt. Yeah, he's uh, tall. He's
2: a tall man, but I
4: bite. But you're feisty. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I um, go
2: for the knees immediately. <laughs> soft tissues. Elbows, I go for elbows, the soft tissues elbows. and knees. <laughs> go ahead. Eyes and knees. Yeah. You, you, you can't and technologize knees. yourself out of soft tissues. <laughs> anyway, go ahead.
4: Uh, what were we talking about, beating, oh, beating up executives? Oh, healthcare, healthcare, yes, yes. So, low-hanging fruit for quantum computers is mm-hmm. also drug sure. discovery um, for all the same reasons.
3: So, and
2: data?
4: Um, and, and
3: data right. seems to
2: be the biggest. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, well, the the,
3: <clears throat> like If I the, could yeah, I yeah, jump, yeah, in? jump in. jump in. I mean, in, one in. of the things I just wrote an article about is I think uh, uh, the healthcare industry today and the pharmaceutical industry is in a lot of trouble. They're dependent upon regulations to protect them, uh, which is sort of the last resort. Uh, the companies that are going to give us our health care in the future are the ones that have the data, are in our homes, that are on our bodies. They are Google, Amazon, um, Apple. Apple, right? Tim Cook famously said, "I was last year, said 20 years from now, we look back, Apple's greatest contribution will be the health industry contribution. Yeah, he said made. that
2: to me. Um, okay, well, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thank you.
3: So he did say that. I can get yeah, that directly he from did, you. Indeed. And so that's, that, is, that is amazing. And uh, at the end of the day, I believe that. So it is about data. It's going to be about early warning uh, more than anything else. Today, it's sick care. It's not health care. It is when you're on death's door, you spend you know, 20% of your life savings to try and extend the pain an extra year. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, one of my companies, a company called uh, Human Longevity, Inc. HLI down in San Diego, and we have a program called the Health Nucleus. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Uh, you come in for three hours. I'm going— Next week, I go every year, mm-hmm. and uh, you sequence your genome the first time, but then you have a full-body MRI, your blood chemistry yeah. is a coronary and a heart CT. All uh, the Google you know,
2: executives do this.
3: Yeah, we, they do. And we, when we generate 150 gigabytes of data about you, mm-hmm. two reasons. Number one, what are you likely to die from, and can you catch it early and prevent it? But number two, more importantly, is there anything going on inside your body you need to know about now? We just published. So it used to be twenty-five thousand dollars a visit. It's now down to seventy-five hundred dollars a visit. It will come down in price. What's insane is that all of our first fifteen hundred patients we just published in the journal PNAS about—they're all wealthy. <clears throat> they're all able to get the best health care in the world they want. But the results are the following uh, of those of those first patients, two percent had a high-grade tumor cancer they did not know about. Yeah. Insane, right? Uh, another two. No, two, even
2: the best, richest people don't get good healthcare. They in don't. This and the
3: two and a half percent had a brain or aortic aneurysm <sighs> they didn't know about. Three and a half percent have significant cardiac conditions and so forth. And so, you know, I'm a pilot. I fly a few airplanes. <clears throat> I've got a Model S and Model X. Mm-hmm. I don't leave the airport or leave the runway or or leave the garage unless I know that the vehicles are operating we know so little about our bodies when ho-
2: we wait we wait for the others sh- to drop until it's too late it's too late to drop we do
3: and 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 so uh, half of longevity's <clears throat> uh, revolution is from actually catching disease at stage 0 when it is completely curable and preventable 100% the second part is that we're starting to understand why we age,
2: mm-hmm. right? So, uh, Senescent cells.
3: S- senes- sen- senolytic medicines. I know medicines more than you so think forth. about dying. I, well, so here's <laughs> – when I was in medical school, I remember seeing this television show on Long Live Sea Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, whales make it to 200 years, uh, sharks to four or 500 years, turtles to like five, six, seven hundred 700 years. And why can they and why can't we? And I said it's either hardware or software, and so we finally have the ability to deal with that. And there's lots of companies that you and I can both name that are in phase mm-hmm. one, phase two, phase three clinical trials mm-hmm. of slowing that stuff down. Sure. And that's removing exciting.
2: removing them, right? Removing them, slowing it down. Well,
3: it's, it's getting rid of senile, uh, of senile cells in your body, which right. are the zombie cells that are causing inflammatory. Mm-hmm. But it's also replenishing your stem cell population. It is... Uh, Nutrient re- signaling. <clears throat> yeah, our Wnt pathway manipulations mm-hmm. like Samumed um, there's uh, a whole slew, David Sinclair, do you know David from Harvard? He's, he runs a Harvard mm-hmm. Longevity Labs amazing book called Lifespan, in which he talks about the the um, information theory of aging. We age because we're losing information. And he doesn't just talk about slowing aging or stopping aging. It's Mm -hmm. he believes we can reverse aging, Mm -hmm. and that's friggin' cool.
2: Yeah, this is the hope of Silicon Valley. Uh, You know, uh, there's an immortality. Immortality. It is. It is. Or 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 the slow the slower glide towards inevitable. Guess
3: what? If we extend our health span ten years, Mm -hmm. we intercept ten years of extraordinary breakthroughs.
2: And save money, but of course there are the opposite consequences. I know you guys hate them. It's too many people on the planet. Oh no! To call, let me
3: call bullshit on too many people on the planet right, right here, All right, right tell now. tell me. Okay, I don't so, know. There's
2: lots of issues around climate so, change and the so, impact of humanity. But just want,
3: I want to I want to I want to dispel this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and as long as and, you don't
2: say climate change doesn't exist, then you have no,
3: to no. It. I'm. I'm. We we fucked yeah. up the planet immensely. Climate change and so forth, and we have to deal with that. But on the on the population side. Bill Gates gives two great uh, TED Talks on this mm-hmm. subject. You do two things to a population center. You make them healthier and better educated. The number of children per family plummet. Right. So here are the numbers. Fifty years ago, it was around six children per family as a global average. Today. It's down to about two point four, right? In the U.S., we're below the replacement limit. We we're, are one point seven six or thereabouts, and so I'm not worried about. In fact, Elon goes and says this, and I agree with him. I'm worried about underpopulation of planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll peak at nine, nine and a half billion, and there's going to be a very quick descent. So. Population is not the issue. It's how we treat our planet is fundamentally an
2: issue. 100%. So get to that, the idea of— I will
4: minorly uh, disagree with Peter on on this one because ultimately I do agree with him. Mm -hmm. But as we rise to 9 billion um, with extinction rates, what they are, Mm -hmm. with the pressures on the environment, um, 9 billion people is a lot of people. And it's Going to crush. Yes, sir. It's going to crush ecosystems mm-hmm. um, that are not going to bounce I, I back. I and,
3: don't. I dis- don't. I don't disagree with that. I'm just like you know people saying 15 billion people. So on let's the planet. get to,
2: to two things so to finish up with space and the environment. Like where the, the, where technology helps and hurts is one of the things I wrote about recently. Is I just I just said it because I want people to think this way. Was the next I made it up really? Um, the next uh, tri- The first trillionaire is going to be a green tech trillionaire. I think like whoever figures out how to solve carbon not and not yep. just through carbon capture which I think is just cleaning up just cleaning up the trash is really what that seems to be about um but the the real significant changes in water filtration all kinds of things that create problems without having to necessarily go to Mars yeah to, you- to, as the solution
4: you know what's interesting is is a lot of the texts we actually need to solve these problems are already here. Mm-hmm. You know, in the book we write about uh, my friend Lauren Fletcher's uh, first startup, BioCarbon Engineering, it's a mm-hmm. tree planting drone mm-hmm. that can plant a hundred thousand trees a day. Mm-hmm. Basically, shoots little seedling missiles into the ground. Um, they've been doing Ooh, it. Uh, seedling they're,
5: missiles, they're, they're
4: <laughs> plant bombs. What do you want? Right, right. Um, and. Uh, they tend to uh, they tend to stick better. They 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 get shot in with a nutrient seed capsule. They've been working in the Myanmar uh, Irrawaddy Delta, re uh, repopulating that, and uh, they just did uh, did some numbers and they found out that their plants have better survival rates than hand planted things. Mm-hmm. These techs exist, even as you said, carbon sequestration. Um, we c- we can do this stuff. The th- trick now is the cooperation. You got to do it at scale, right? And mm-hmm. we we quote Ramez Nam in the future is faster than you think, talking about plant, we can meet 80% of U.S.'s energy needs right now if we link our existing wind, existing solar together into a nationwide grid. Do we have the impetus to do that? Are we doing these things? No, we're not. not The 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 tech is there. Yeah. The issue is cooperation.
2: And the impact of fossil fuel lobbying and everything. else and, and money. On yeah, the it's,
3: it's the it's the system in place trying to perpetuate itself against the betterment of humanity.
2: Well, don't you think that's what's happening all the time right uh, now? I think
3: it's it has been happening. It's just happening at scale. And the only way to, to solve that is to provide something that is so much better mm-hmm. that, I mean, that people just drop the old thing with a hot potato. So, uh, Jim Robo, who's the head um, of Next Era Energy— Uh, Just went on – last week said, listen, by – in the next three years, I think it's 2023, 2024, um, it is uneconomical for us to operate natural gas or coal anymore. Mm -hmm. We're stopping it and we're going all renewable. And so, we aren't going to save the planet environmentally – because we're so moral, and mm-hmm. we're going to do it because it's cheaper, faster, right, exactly. and better.
2: Right, right. And there's all these things. So if, let's finish up with space. Um, that's you know, it's an area it, because one that of the I things love, yeah. I, you know, uh, I just did a podcast with the guy who's head of astrobiology at Columbia because um, he wrote Death on Mars, which was about what you know. He's like, I love all these people doing these things. I think it's great. All these rockets, the concept of moving to space. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, go ahead.
3: No, so so space is my. First passion. Yes, it is. I think think that thousands of years from now, millions of years from now, whatever we evolve into, we're going to look back at these first – these next couple of decades as the moment in time when the human race evolved off of the planet to the stars. It's happened once before when we moved out of the oceans and crawled onto land. Mm -hmm. That is now – and then everything we hold of value on Earth—metals, minerals, energy, real estate—are in infinite quantities in space. And, and mm-hmm. my equivalent quote to yours is: the first trillionaires will be made in space. Okay. Hopefully, it'll be both. You know, uh, it was the Soviet Union and the U.S. in this in this war for supremacy. Let's use that word again. Um, that really drove us. And today, it's a beautiful battle with with Jeff. With Bezos, and, and, Bezos Elon. and Elon Musk, right? yeah, right, and mm-hmm. and I would much rather have that. I've known them for for decades. I've known Jeff since since college. They're passionate about this. It's not 100. like they're doing it for money. They're doing because it it's they feel it's a no, purpose. No, there, on there life. is
2: some level of I, the thing we talked about. With the, he loves the, what they're doing here. He just was talking about here's the reality of living on Mars with radiation and of course uh, and and and, 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 peroxides and, 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 yeah. and bone density. Everything that's less worse than the moon. Apparently, the moon is harder on your bones than Mars would be because of the gravity issue. But it was he, he was just sort of putting some sensibility into. Well, it,
3: it, it sucks if you want to if you want to come back to Earth. We're going to start to no. Sort, he
2: thought living. He, you should read this article. It's really clear, Pretty clear. I, I did. The, the, I
3: did my thesis work at MIT yeah, on so the, this, this area as well. Yes. So this was the radiation
2: issue that you live in. Essentially, you have to live in caves you, under Mars. You have to.
3: You have to geoengineer. You right. have to. Uh, you have to terraform. Make Earth-like. Exactly. Right? Exactly. An, unless we start to use CRISPR technologies and gene therapy to right. sort and of bring, evo- evolve, bring evolve ourselves. Brain more our rapidly. body. Like, that's
2: what. I, that's what my son said. He goes, well, Why don't we just have new bodies? Bring yeah. ourselves bodies that work on Mars. And
3: so Darwin wrote about the forces that cause evolution. Mm-hmm. It's small population sizes, it's geographic diversity, mm-hmm. it's high radiation or sort of uh, <sighs> mutation forces. All of that's going to happen in space. So we are yeah, going I to speciate. I have no speciate. doubt there'll
2: be a creature that is yeah. huma- human-like that will live on Mars that is from humanity. But one,
3: the, the one point that I think is important to make is we have a—everything we've ever known, care about, every piece of history is here. We are one uh, asteroid strike away from being like yes. a historical blip. And so I think there is a moral obligation to back up the biosphere, Mm -hmm. uh, to diversify the human species. Um, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about the existential risks that humanity has. Right? In fact, so,
2: to me, the re- the only reason I like the idea of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk spending all their money doing this, but the government ha- governments have a role in this. This is a major. They hu- they huma- have this is about humanity. They and- have
3: a role and had a role, but mm-hmm. governments are so friggin' risk adverse. Yeah. And space is risky. Right. And if you look well, at they the, didn't get look, us
2: to the moon. That was kind of good. It was, it?
3: but yeah. why? Yeah. It was not. It was not because they wanted to draw. They wanted do def- the the, the, the Soviet Union, had done Sputnik in 1957, mm-hmm. and did Gagarin in 1961. They were decimating us in space. We had to mm-hmm. do something dramatic to so get back. Where our are leadership. the
2: technologies for this? Of, of
3: uh, oh my God, the technologies are extraordinary. It's mm-hmm. Machine, it's it's robotics, 3D printing, machine learning, right. uh, new material sciences. Again, the what we mentioned earlier, relativity, space. They're 3D printing a 30 meter tall rocket mm-hmm. in 60 days or less. Mm-hmm. That's Extraordinary. Right. And and Elon, the reason SpaceX's Falcon 9 was able to get to the space station successfully at its first was computer modeling and then being able to land and reuse the rockets. Mm-hmm
2: it changes the equation it, it changes everything so i'm going to finish up each of you what do you think the most the most quickly and you talked about 12 industries you didn't get to retail and a lot of others and and financial and, and other things insurance <laughs> what do food. You, insurance all of everything yeah. pretty, It's systemic in terms of what's going to be affected but if you had to sort of stack rank three over the next 5 years which ones are the most going to be most affected by this the future you're talking about well, you're going to see significant changes.
4: It, it could be some of the ones we ha- we didn't actually talk about because we're already seeing entertainment mm-hmm. is the first thing I'd point out. I think we're seeing, think we're seeing the end of Hollywood's um, kind of monopoly mm-hmm. completely. Obviously, Netflix and that stuff, but I think that's going to continue to massively crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as AI continues to invade retail, you know, I, I think the humans are gone from retail. I mean, we'll have mm-hmm. craft throwback shops where, mm-hmm. oh, you can get— clothes sold to you by an actual human being, but I think Mm -hmm. I think retail is going to be completely invented, reinvented. And to me it's a toss-up between AR and VR. I think the the numbers and the trends say it's going to be AR first. Mm -hmm. um,
2: That's right. Coming
4: coming in. Augmented reality. Augmented augmented reality.
2: Yeah.
4: (laughs) Um, So I would say the future of shopping, the future of entertainment, and
2: the most immediate.
4: Yeah, those would be my guess for the future. Peter right. might disagree you? with well, me. Uh, so we've talked
3: about education, healthcare. I think mm-hmm. those are the ones that mm-hmm. have the biggest financial and societal impact. That mm-hmm. are so broken that are going to change by the right entrepreneur. You know, just giving something that's ten times better. Um, I think energy is mm-hmm. uh, going to fundamentally change. Yeah. Uh, people don't realize that we're the rate at which solar. Uh, both installed solar costs and kil- price per kilowatt hour is beginning to drop. We're seeing tremendous breakthroughs in storage as well, right? There's hundreds of billions of dollars being invested by the automotive companies in electrifying their fleets. Mm-hmm. And batteries are part of that. Um, you know, another common friend, Bill Gross, uh, has created uh, some some true breakthroughs in the energy world. And so we have the ability to go to a majority electric economy. And what's beautiful is that the poorest countries in the world, Kara, are the sunniest countries in the world. Mm -hmm. And so abundant energy gives you abundant clean water, which is clean water drives – or dirty water drives half the healthcare impact on the planet. So these dominoes, that can begin to fall. And again, going back to the reason for this book is um, people fear what they don't understand. And as the speed of change is increasing, people – tend to get more fearful, more divided. This book's purpose is to give people, again, a, a hopeful, compelling, and abundant vision of the future. It's got to be hopeful. If you don't have hope for the future or, or you don't think your future is compelling, and, if, and if, it's a, if it's a world of scarcity where you're dividing the pie and if your neighbor gets slices, you don't, instead of abundance where you just bake more pies, right? Uh, it leads to a world that is scary, is scarcity-minded, and it's divisive. And, and our mission is to, to change that mindset.
2: Okay, but I'm going to ask one final question that is not negative, but what is the scariest thing? And then what is the mm-hmm. technology you'd love to see invented? Anything at all.
3: So you have to end on a negative. No, no we'll i will end on a positive. On po- okay. Positive is <clears> what's <throat> the
2: one technology okay. you think so listen, should I'll, I'll, be I'll address invented? The
3: things that are scary for me are— uh, Asteroids. Uh, so there are existential risks to the planet, mm-hmm. pandemics, right. uh, asteroid impact, terrorism and hate crimes— environmental uh, disruption. In fact, this, I run an a XPRIZE have this thing called Visioneering every mm-hmm. year where we discuss and debate the world's biggest problems. Yeah. I'm going to focus on, on ex-
2: no, what needs to be solved. What are the yeah. critical <clears> things? Yeah, and,
3: but I'm going to focus on existential risk because no one's spending enough time mm-hmm. on those risks. Um, so I'm concerned about those things. I'm concerned in some cases about the government regulating stuff it doesn't understand.
2: Right. It does it all
3: the time. It, it does it all the time, but uh, the problem is when you overregulate here in America— The technology and the technologists just move. Mm -hmm. They go someplace else. Right. And we lose that ability here in this nation. And so it's got to be intelligent uh, regulation, collaborative regulation with the innovators, with the companies and so forth. So those are are my concerns. I am concerned about pandemics. We're seeing the coronavirus conversation, which is still small. Right? There's been like 100 deaths compared to like 2,000 flu deaths yeah, in the United States.
2: Exponential. But,
3: yeah, but it can get, get bad. And so we need to learn how to do that.
2: The and technolo- what what the, technology would you like to be invented?
3: I am definitely uh, someone when the chips become available in my brain and I can increase my intelligence, my memory, my ability to collaborate. Mm-hmm. So I think this, and we talk about this, this is a concept of meta-intelligence. If I'm able to connect to the cloud and you that Bradley and a thousand Cooper movie. other things, I had this level of empathy. If I can feel your feelings, understand your thoughts and who you are, and there's absolute intimacy in that level, it's a world we forget, Cara, that each of us are a collection of 30 trillion human cells, mm-hmm. right? We're not just an individual. We're 30 trillion life forms collaborative working together. That potential... Uh, to go from single cell life to a human being is where we can go from 8 billion individuals
4: to something that is a collaborative at a level that That's
3: never before. That's a great before, way of
2: looking at it, actually. Yeah. And you?
4: I'm, again, I started with plants, animals, and ecosystems, and to me— um, the technology I want to see is, is already here. Biodiversity is at Biodiversity is, I mean, if you talk to most scientists and say, what scares you? What are you most scared of right now? They're going to say species die off. Species mm-hmm. die off is the number one threat. Nobody pays attention to it. Nobody even, you know, I, I've been talking about this for years, and you mm-hmm. say species die off to people, and they're like, huh? Yeah. There's a biodiversity crisis. you know crisis. what the
3: number one cause of species die off was?
4: Oxygen in the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I thought you were miss, miss, models, Mr. Dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> okay. So, to me, cultured beef— at scale mm-hmm. um, is the biggest is the biggest lever we have. It's coming, it's coming, but not fast enough for me. Yeah. Like if you you ask me like magic button, what do I want? I want to replace the entire. No more cows. Yeah, I want to replace, cows, pigs, chickens, yeah. the whole thing. And yeah. by the way, we're dealing with the coronavirus, right? right. Like shellfish right. comes from the bats yeah. In vitro bats. We can do cultured seafood, right? right? There's four or five companies in
2: that we're space yeah. right We're destroying the largest fish in the ocean by overfishing.
3: Yeah. 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 You know
2: what's fascinating about that? I I just had a new baby, and literally all the books are about cows, pigs, ducks, and sheep. Yeah, we, should, we should. they should it's be so friends fun. not eating <laughs> Yeah, no they are friends we don't eat, think about eating them when we're discussing them with a the baby um, this is great this is really fascinating my of course invention that I would um, it, it, plague yeah. is my thing I'm like plague oh you're
3: with me on that okay.
2: I'm with you on plague I, I'm obsessed with you, you should with come
3: to visioneering this year I, mean, I, honestly, may. Yeah. I may
2: I may because I'm a plague and then uh, a time machine I'd like a time machine ooh alright I mean that's it yeah, we
3: didn't put a constraint on physics here did we I, I would like a time machine okay. I would
2: like you to invent it tomorrow Peter this is really helpful I really do like you know, uh, positive visions of the future, which is really critically important, but I would like it coupled with responsibility and thinking about implications. Uh, think 100%, 100%. I think that's we where you, you lose it, like going forward so quickly and not understanding. Yeah, we
3: can't be a tech utopian without understanding that we have responsibility more than ever before, right? Mm-hmm. It was a great, great philosopher. Peter Parker said, right, with great power comes great responsibility. Allegedly,
2: it was Voltaire. Allegedly, whenever I mention that, everyone's like, no, it was Spider-Man. this person. No, okay, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay, actually, it was actually, Voltaire? It was the- <laughs> It was Did his you uncle. It was his uncle, gentle Uncle Ben, who oh, said that too. All
3: right, well, we'll just
2: call. I know your man movies better than you do. You're man, you're man. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm a secret man. Anyway, thank you, Stephen and Peter, for coming on the show. Their book is uh, terrific. It's called "The Future Is Faster Than You Think." how converging technologies are transferring business, industries, and our lives. And surprisingly, I recommend it. It's quite positive, but I like it. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show.
3: A pleasure. Thanks for having us. Can I add one thing? Sure. Um, that, uh, as you mentioned, abundance and bold are the precursors. Mm-hmm. And for folks who... We're offering Abundance and Bold for free.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, if you go to futurefasterbook.com and order oh. the book there, you'll get Abundance and Bold uh, digital copies of Fantastic. it for free. Fantastic! Yeah. That's
2: what a free is the best price. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is Eric America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at E S J. Stephen, uh, where can people find you online?
4: StephenCotler.com.
2: com, Flow Collective
4: FlowResearchCollective.com.
2: Okay,
3: uh, for me, it's, uh, it's Diamandis.com, uh, uh, at Peter Diamandis on all of the social handles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's XPRIZE.org, SingularityU.org. And thank you, Kara.
2: No problem. It's thank fun you to be so here much. With you. Yeah, if it's you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap on the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.